you can't do it all, especially in the pregnancy phase, because there is a very long list of things that uh, mama is and isn't allowed to do. So maybe come up with priorities, maybe come up with what do I feel the most comfortable with? What do I feel the least comfortable with? And, you know, what small changes can I make, you know, within that priority list to kind of, even if I'm not doing it all, I'm doing enough to where I feel comfortable. Welcome to Dad Splaining, a weekly chronicle of all the weirdest, messiest, grossest, and funniest parts of fatherhood, hosted by two first-time dads. I'm Jesse. And I'm Brandon. And this week, we are going to be talking about microplastics. There was a recent article uh, that came out about a study in Italy that discovered traces of microplastics in human placenta. We're going to break down what that means, how scared you should really be, and how you could take some practical steps to keep your baby and yourself uh, plastic free. But before we get into all of that, Brandon, if our listeners want to reach out to us with questions or comments, where can they find us? Please give us a like or a follow on Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram at Dad Splinting Podcast. You can reach us directly at dadsplinningpodcast at gmail.com. And then you can check out this and every episode anywhere you get your podcasts. Please be sure to subscribe to us on your preferred podcasting platform. We add those new episodes usually every Monday morning. It kind of uh, varies. We're not super consistent during the pandemic, uh, but as things uh, continue to hopefully get better, we will hopefully uh, get better and more regular as well. Uh, we've also got a group on Facebook that you can join to search Dad's Planning, a parenting group. It's open to dads and moms alike. A great place to talk with other parents in a similar phase of life, ask questions, get advice, share pics of your kid, share stupid parenting memes. That's mostly what we do there. Just uh, search Dad's Planning a Parenting Group and we will gladly add you. Brandon, it is our first episode of the new year. Haven't talked to you since December. How is the family? Family is doing good and just trying to avoid the COVID like most people. Although I was at the park the other day because it was such a nice day and I heard some older kids playing and they would run and chase each other. And when they would hit each other, they would shout, he has coronavirus. And I was like, wow, that's in bad taste. <laughs> uh, but this is what kids are doing in the age of the pandemic is that they're shouting, he has coronavirus at one another uh, when they touch each other. So it's, um, you know, the future is just couldn't be in better hands, guys. Just wanted you to know. Um, and then for those of you who are, you know, around our age or, or older, you'll be refreshed to hear that uh, yo mama jokes are still in. Um, mm -hmm. So this is some of the things that I've discovered uh, the other day. When I was at the park, just because I don't get the chance to get to the park too much. It's really cold and, uh, you know, try to be not near people. But we found like one of those nice days yesterday and we just we just went for it. There weren't too many kids around. We had a really nice time. And I was like, ah, this is not too bad. And so we've talked about kind of trying to find those moments of normal uh, within everyday life, you know, at whatever level feels safe enough to you. Um, nothing feels as safe as it should, unfortunately, but, you know, we can still do some things, um, as long as you, you know, can go into it and come out of it feeling like, okay, what I did here was have fun. What I didn't do is just worry the whole time, um, and had a good experience with it. So it was nice. Um, it was nice to hang out with my son and just run around for a little bit. And then it was, um, nice, I guess, to hear that yo mama jokes and my material from the nineties are still in. So yeah. we can, we can dust those off and uh, start closing out our podcast episodes with yo mama jokes as well. Now. <laughs> I don't think that the mamas in our lives would be very pleased with no. us. No, now that we're older, that's but, a bad idea. 
<laughs> yeah, maybe so. Maybe so. Uh, but it's good to hear that some things never change. Kids are always going to be kids. Uh, even in the middle of a plague, they're going to find the humor no matter how dark yep. and run with it. So that's that's pretty exciting. Exactly. How are you and the family doing, Jesse? We're doing good. Uh, my wife, Ashley, and I are still in the uh, in the trenches potty training our three year old David. Um, it is it's going pretty well. He's actually graduated to big boy underpants. And uh, we did that for about a week before we realized, OK, he's still having multiple accidents a day. We cannot keep washing underwear and pants so many times a day. And my wife had the great idea to pick up uh, what's called nylon diaper pants. Um, they're a, a thin uh, sort of protective underwear that goes on top of the underwear and it's made out of nylon. Hmm. And um, that way, if the kid has an accident, if he wets his pants, um, it's going to be trapped in that in the underwear oh. and it's not going to soak the jeans. It's not going to then seep through the jeans and soak your sofa. Um, so <laughs> that's been a godsend. It's been a lifesaver. Um, it was hard for him to get used to it at first because he didn't like, I think what it was is it's more uncomfortable for the child when they have an accident, if they're wearing that, because all that um, mess gets locked in mm. and it's then on them more and it's less on the fabric that they're wearing. So he wasn't uh. comfortable with it at first, but he's gotten used to it. And uh, we're at the point now where he's, he's maybe wetting his pants every other day. Um, and we're on kind of a 30 to 60 minute cycle, like once an hour, uh, maybe once every half hour, one of us is like, okay, David potty time, let's do it. And the incentive that we've given him, which I'm still feeling ambivalent about is increased tablet time. Mm -hmm. um, a little bit of screen time to just get him on the toilet and keep him occupied so that he will sit there long enough to do his business because sometimes it's instant and sometimes really he has to sit there for 10 or 15 minutes before he finally does what he has to do. And I think that's just universal. So yeah. um, I give him a little bit more time with the iPad. He has finally discovered Blippy, which Brandon, I know <laughs> your son Noah is yeah. pretty crazy about. And it was pretty irritating at first as a parent to just have to sit outside the bathroom and listen to the same song about an excavator over and over again. But I'm down with it. Like, I'm fine with it. And the the sort of uh, unexpected benefit of it is that David is now talking and singing even more because he's found new things to kind of watch and obsess over yeah. and memorize. And he's at the point now where he's like singing along to songs and he, it's he's much closer to actually getting the words right as opposed to just, you know, doing the baby battle thing. So awesome. Um, Excited for you guys. That's good. Yeah. Yeah. It's fun. Uh, I mean, he's still in um, diapers overnight. Uh, we're not quite ready to, you know, go through the night without an accident yet. Yeah, that happens sometimes, but I, I just don't, you know, I'm going to keep the diaper on for a little while longer and, mm -hmm. uh, and see how it goes. So, you know, fingers crossed in the next few weeks, month or two, you know, maybe we'll be completely in underwear and uh, I will be yeah. cheering when that happens and then immediately, <laughs> you know, screaming when he has uh, the accident again. So it's, just, you know, it's two steps forward, one step back. We're we're going to get there. And it's, it's fun to watch it while it happens. So on to this week's topic. Uh, today, we are going to be breaking down an article that uh, was published in The Guardian, uh, the British newspaper, on December 22nd of 2020. The title is Microplastics Revealed in the Placentas of Unborn Babies. And the way we're going to handle this today is I have taken some notes on the article and the study that the article references, as well as some other articles that I'm going to reference. And Brandon is coming into this fresh and uh, much like uh, a lot of you who are listening, 
um, is just going to be jumping in with questions and I'm just going to be kind of responding to that uh, as best I can. So we're going to dive right into this. Um, basically, so the topic of microplastics um, and just plastic in general and how safe or unsafe it is, it's something that comes up a lot in the pregnancy and early childhood phases of parenting, you know, is something that... Um, my wife's OBGYN explained to her, uh, you know, in the pregnancy phase, certain things to avoid, don't microwave this, don't drink out of that. You know, you get a lot of advice and sometimes it might seem excessive or restrictive, especially because pregnant women, there's a lot of things they can't do. There's a lot of things that they get told no about. And sometimes as expecting parents, you just want to kind of like, what can I rebel against? How bad mm. is this really? You know, and this, this is one of those things that there's a lot that they still don't know about microplastics, about what effects it can have, but they know enough to know that, you know, maybe it is a little bit of a risk. And so what this article is saying is um, basically in Italy uh, last year, there was a study at a hospital in Rome and they took six women who were pregnant and getting ready to deliver. And after they gave birth, they studied the uh, placenta. Um, and they took a sample of the placenta. I think it was 4% of the placenta. And what they found is between those women, um, in four of the six, there were, I think, 12 particles of microplastic, um, which may not sound like a lot. For reference, uh, microplastics are, I mean, they're microscopic, obviously. They're like 0 0.02 millimeters in size. Um, hmm. But it you know, might be more than you would expect to find in a placenta. And the reason this is making headlines is this is the first time it's ever been shown that microplastics can show up in placenta um, uh, after birth. So, you know, it's a little bit surprising. There's a little bit that's kind of scary about it. Um, there's, you know, there's risks, like I said. Um, but before I kind of go too far into it, Brandon, how is that hitting you so far? Yeah, I mean, I think it's, I, I wonder if it's, you know, this is just kind of our newer awareness uh, to where, you know, is this only just now happening because of societal changes and all the plastics and things that we're using more than ever? Or is it also because, uh, you know, it's just a newer area of research. We haven't really studied the placenta very much. Um, and this is kind of newer. Yeah. Yeah. And that's the interesting thing. And what's interesting about it too, is there were six women studied and only four of them had microplastics in their placenta. Mm -hmm. The other two did not. And the doctors who conducted the study really don't know why some of them did and some of them didn't. They said it could have mm -hmm. been chalked up to, you know, um, dietary habits. It could have been uh, uh, um, a quality of life thing, socioeconomic. They're just not sure because they picked basically women who were pretty similar that didn't have too many outlying factors that would throw off the results of the study. Um, so yeah, it, that's kind of always the thing that comes up because we're always, we're learning more and more and we're finding new ways to study things. So there may have been no way to catch this 20 years ago, even if it was still happening. And it may be happening less now than it was 20 years ago, or it may be happening more because we just didn't have the information back then. So uh, that's a really good point. And I actually don't have um, that information. I wish I could give you an answer. on. Well, that. and that's, um, that's part of it is like a lot of times this stuff gets shared and is immediately scary because it's just new. Um, and this is the first time anybody say bothered to check, or maybe we technology is now to a point where we can detect these kinds of things and we couldn't before. So, you know, things that we don't know that we still need to keep an eye on is like, you know, is this something that could have been there when you and I were born? Maybe, mm -hmm. maybe not. Um, is it, you know, it sounds like the the difference in the women wasn't so much demographic. Uh, they chose people who were similar, but it's things that wouldn't maybe show up on paper 
that could make them different lifestyle choices, which we might not know about. Yeah, exactly. And it's worth also noting that um, all six of these women had normal births uh, without terrible complications. Um, And I I say that because it is said that uh, certain risks of having microplastics uh, in your body while you're pregnant could include um, preeclampsia. And also, um, it could affect the growth of the fetus. Um, but in these women's cases, uh, preeclampsia and eclampsia were not issues, and um, the the baby was born nice and healthy in every case. Um, and you know, the the thing that kind of comes to mind is we've we've covered before how things change over the years, and in particular, um, child mortality rate. Uh, infant mortality rate in particular uh, has decreased steeply over the years, especially over the past 20 to 30 years for a variety of reasons uh, that have to do with safety of things like car seats and how you lay your baby down to sleep and safety in the pregnancy phase, like people learning, okay, you can't smoke while you're pregnant. You can't drink certain drinks while you're pregnant. And all of these things do lead to uh, giving your baby a higher chance of getting out. Um, so yeah, we, you know, we don't know in the past if, um, when things were worse, if that's because of increased microplastics. Um, but it, you know, it is worth saying that although we don't really know if this is a problem that's getting better or worse, we know that in general, you know, babies are doing better as they come out of the womb over the years than they did even when we were born, uh, Brandon. Um, so that's kind of the thing that I wanted to point out as I kind of go into the study, uh, because like I said, there are risks of having microplastics in the body. Um, the other thing that's important to know is that although they could tell that microplastics were in the placenta, it's not known for sure if that actually made it into the baby from the placenta. Mm-hmm. Um, that's something that they would still have to study. It is possible, but they don't know that for sure. So just because these traces of material have made it from the mother into the placenta, um, that's not a 100% chance that that is then going to uh, make it into the baby. Does that make sense? Yeah. I mean, is it touching on how, you know, in our systems, like the mother would have some of this, some microplastic in them, and therefore, when they're having birth, or you know, not birth itself, but like when they are uh, pregnant and going through the phases, that's kind of passing as well into the placenta. And like the thought or the fear would be that it's also passing into the child. And so it's it's not like, or I don't know, is it like that? Uh, plastics they don't just like appear only in the placenta, right? Like it's it's because there's some kind of you, this can be found in in us, like on a day to day basis. Exactly. And basically that comes down to the fact that in general, um, humans in this day and age, we consume more plastic than we're aware of. And it Mm -hmm. comes from a variety of places, um, from uh, just pollutants in the water to heating up Tupperware to, you know, even um, water bottles that you buy off the shelf in the store and drink. There's a chance that microplastics could be coming off of that and into the water we're drinking and then it comes into us. Um, And, you know, it's kind of one of those things where, yeah, there are risks, um, you know, there are detrimental effects on your health, but obviously there's not an epidemic of people dropping dead suddenly to having plastic in their stomach. Um, so it's something that is, you can take steps against, but that you don't have to panic and immediately shut down and never touch another piece of plastic again. And that's the kind of thing that I always want to guard against on this podcast is it's important to cover things like this because it's good to know and it's good to be prepared and it's good to take steps against it. Um, but things can be so sensationalized these days that it, you know, you, you see a headline like this and 
parenting is anxiety filled enough as it is, especially for new parents who don't know what they're doing. Like I was so scared of, am I holding the baby right? You know, you know, are we checking him often enough when he's sleeping? All, you know, there's all these kinds of fears that you go through as a new parent. You don't need to be further paralyzed by something like, despite my best efforts, are microplastics finding their way uh, into my child's food, into my child's placenta, that kind of thing. Like I, I want everyone listening to be like, okay, now that I know I can do something about it, but this isn't, uh, this isn't the apocalypse. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm, mm -hmm, exactly. And, and the way to kind of think about it is you mentioned um, how infant mortality is getting better. And the reason it gets better is because of awareness. Um, and we know what different triggers exist and how to respond to those. And a lot of it has to do with like, are you getting good care when you're giving birth and the doctors know what to do and they're not using you know, uh, archaic procedures to help you, or they recognize when there's bleeding or other issues and how to stop it. So something like this new to us in an awareness sense, but we haven't even gotten to a point where we've said like, okay, here's an example of too much microplastic, because in the case you brought up, it, it was not a problem. Like the microplastic wasn't an issue. It was detected. Um, and that's, you know, new uh, for us noticing it. Um, and, but it's more of an awareness for us that like this can happen and we can use it probably to get different studies that would get us a sense to say like, okay, if you actually had this much, this might be a concern. Uh, but really where we are is orders of magnitude below that perhaps. And we're not like approaching a critical threshold. We're just trying to figure out what that could even be. Could there even yeah. be a threshold where this creates such an issue? If we keep going unabated and everything in our life becomes plastic and we just consume it all maybe then we're on a bad <laughs> a bad yeah. trajectory <laughs> exactly well and you know we covered something similar a couple of years ago when an article came out about um certain dangerous minerals that were being found in baby yeah. food and it was something similar where a lot of parents were really freaking out about it and what we kind of came away with was yes this is real news and it is something that now that you know you can take steps against but i think up to that point we had been giving our kid almost all of the things that they said you were not supposed to be giving them and weren't seeing you know detrimental health effects so just because there is a risk doesn't mean that a little bit of it is going to kill you do you know what i mean yeah you can take steps against it as i've said you know half a dozen times already um but it's not worth going into panic mode over so what we probably want to do and what i'm interested to hear is like how does a microplastic get into my system to then get into the placenta like what are we doing and therefore what could we change possibly I'm glad you asked, Brandon. So, oh, do to yeah. So, to go to the what to do about it phase of this conversation, um, I went to three sources. The first was Consumer Reports. The second was um, actually Harvard's uh, health blog, and the third was um, Today.com, just because their health section uh, had an article about it. So I've got some handy-dandy tips on several different phases of life that you may be in where microplastics may be an issue and what you can do about it. So in general, um, there are certain things that you can do, make changes in your life to reduce the chance of microplastics making it into your system. Uh, I mentioned bottled water. Um, something that Consumer 
report recommends is steering clear of bottled water as often as possible. We're not saying that a single bottle of water is going to kill you with microplastic poisoning, but they say that water from plastic bottles has about double the microplastic level of tap water on average. So even tap water has some microplastics in it. Uh, and this was from a study in 2018. So unless you know that you have bad tap water in your area, like, you know, certain cities or states may have higher lead content in their tap water. If that's true, don't do that. Um, but prefer tap water over mm -hmm. bottled water, you know, as much as possible. Um, the next thing they say is uh, something that I, I think sometimes I have failed to do uh, just because I was lazy and now I'm going to change my way. So they say, do not microwave plastic, heat food uh, in glass or on a plate, you know, something mm. like that. Um, so the, the issue there is when you heat plastic, it can then leach chemicals from the plastic into the food. Um, so, you know, when you're bringing that Tupperware into the office, just don't microwave it, put it on a plate of some kind, like bring a plate with you. Um, and they also say avoid putting plastics in the dishwasher, um, because of mm. the high heat of the water that is, you know, in the air that's cleaning, uh, the stuff within the dishwasher. That's something I had never, never really thought about. Yeah. Does it, you know, mention, or maybe we needed to look a little bit further on like, is this just any plastics or is there like, you know, cause I feel like I've seen mm -hmm. plastics start to say certain things like toxin free or BPA free, or, you know, I don't even know what that, that one even means, but you see it on the package yeah. and you're like, oh, that's good. It has less of a bad thing. Exactly. I mean, they, they, what they do say is plastic food containers with recycling codes three, six, and seven uh, are more likely to contain potentially mm. harmful, harmful chemicals unless they have a label like bio-based or greenware. Um, so those you should steer clear of. They don't say what are the good ones uh, or do they? They say, let's see, if you're storing food in or eating food out of plastic containers, know that plastics with recycling codes one and two are more likely to be recyclable. Uh, though they're usually recycled into lower quality plastics. And what that means is if it's more recyclable, it's going to be less toxic because, mm. you know, the FDA or whatever governing body, you know, makes those decisions and regulation says, okay, this is less toxic. We can recycle it and it'll be less harmful and less dangerous. And along with that, they say store food in glass, silicone, or foil as opposed to plastic. I mean, I know we've all got drawers full of Tupperware and, you know, you're not going to die if you use that Tupperware, but, you know, maybe lean towards glass or lean towards wrapping something mm -hmm. in uh, aluminum foil or Reynolds wrapper or whatever, you know, you've got on hand. Um, yeah, and then store it like you always do, but then take it out, put it in a bowl, heat the bowl up. Exactly. Yeah. Don't heat it in the microwave. Yeah. You know, if you can't do one, do the other. Um, eat your food as fresh as often as possible. Uh, try not to rely on processed food wrapped in plastic. You know, um, not saying never, but maybe less often than you're doing now. You know, maybe you can take that little step towards the next time you are uh, at the convenience store instead of grabbing the shrink wrapped um, prepackaged processed muffin from Hostess you know, grab, uh, some healthy, fresh fruit out of the basket, something like that, you know, well, every that, once in a while, maybe even if it's just once a week. That is a personal attack. Um, I have <laughs> many muffins in my pantry right now, mm -hmm. so I'm a terrible person. You are a terrible person, Brandon. That's my point here. That's what I'm trying to say is that you specifically are a bad person. No. Um, and then the last tip is actually an attack on me. It says do vacuum regularly. And I, I say this Ooh. attack on me because that's something that I don't uh, do enough. Um, my wife's much better about that than I am. And the reason they say that is because dust that collects in your house may have microplastics and chemicals in it, um, including the, the chemical 
uh, phthalate, which is something that I'll get to next in the pregnancy phase. So, you know, just the next time you got nothing to do, if you're sitting around watching TV, maybe grab your vacuum and clean up the floor really quick so that that's off the floor. You know, that's going to be better for you. It's going to be better for your kid who is crawling on the floor. It's going to be better for everybody. Um, they also say uh, vacuum regularly with a HEPA filter. Um, I don't know exactly what that means, but uh, Consumer Report can tell you. I'm going to link all these in the show notes, by the way, y'all. So uh, as you're listening, grab the links out of the notes so you can check the articles um, yourselves. So the next thing that we are going to touch on is the pregnancy phase. Um, What can you do uh, as an expecting mother uh, or as the partner of an expecting mother to you know, stay safer. Uh, the first thing they say is limit exposure to plastics, obviously, especially anything with a recycling code three or seven on them, and instead to favor glass, ceramic, or metal containers um, for food and drink. Brandon, do you remember this being just, it was such a huge deal in the pregnancy phase. Like, what are we storing things in? What are we microwaving? I mean, there was a lot to think about, and we had to change a lot of our habits. Was that true for y'all too? No, <laughs> I don't. Okay. Um, no, I don't remember that too much. I um, and I think this is what's keep in mind about this conversation is there's a lot of things to keep track of. And there are certain things that you really need to focus on that are very important, you know, very critical to success, very, you know, important for safety. Um, and some things like this are worth our attention. But you know, if there are things that you're going to track, make sure that you're tracking the most important things, you know, Mm -hmm. kind of set your expectations because I'll tell you that I don't recall changing my plastic intake or my wife's plastic intake when we were going through pregnancy. I don't remember it really coming up, you know, even in the OB meetings, uh, maybe they did. uh, But again, if they did, I was a lot more concerned about like the really scary known risk factors and or, what gender I was going to have, <laughs> you know, like yeah. things that were not even scary, but just, you know, like, I've got to be Big a parent. Deal things. Yeah. I'm pretty you know worried about that. So, you know, we don't want to ignore things. Um, I'd rather know, I like to know, but I like to also understand where it should belong on my kind of awareness and concern spectrum. That is a pretty, very good point. Pretty low right now, mm-hmm. but you know, it's weird. It's weird to be like in the air where you can't see it in the matrix are plastics, mm-hmm. uh, in your food and your water, you know, it's true. It's not magic. It's not voodoo. It's, it's there, but it's gotten to a point where we need to become aware about it. It's not to a point where we need to let it rule our daily lives, mm-hmm. but we don't want to let it get there. <laughs> we don't want to yeah. let it get there. Exactly. And that's a good point, too, because you can't do it all, especially in the pregnancy phase, because there is a very long list of things that uh, mama is and isn't allowed to do. Um, So like you said, maybe come up with priorities, maybe come up with what do I feel the most comfortable with? What do I feel the least comfortable with? And, you know, Mm -hmm. what small changes can I make, you know, within that priority list to kind of even if I'm not doing it all, I'm doing enough to where I feel comfortable. Um, You know, they say things like, Maybe try and buy food that doesn't come in a plastic package. You know, maybe if you're deciding between uh, two different snacks at the supermarket, they're the same snack. It's just one of them comes in uh, plastic and then one of them is in, um, I don't know, glass or something like that. Um, you know, lean towards the second one. And if they, they say, if you, if you do use plastic, just don't microwave it. Wash it, uh, hand wash it afterwards instead of putting it in the dishwasher. Things like that that are small steps, even if you aren't doing 100% of it, you know, you're 
you're doing better than doing nothing. Um, and you know, you're, you're on the right track that way. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Doing a little thing can make the difference because again, this is not a catastrophic level and you're probably not over consuming or even close to consuming too much. So if you just wash a little bit, put it in a different bowl, you can make some small changes that are, are plenty helpful. Exactly. So let's skip ahead a little bit. So you've given birth, you're after that uh, you're past that point and you are now dealing with a newborn in the stage where you are bottle feeding. Um, I'm looking at an article from today.com um, that is offering some tips on how to safely bottle feed so that you don't run the risk of some microplastics coming off of the bottle and into um, the, whether it's breast milk or formula or whatever you're using. Um, they say rinse uh, your sterilized feeding bottles with cool sterile water after you've sterilized them to wash away some of the microplastics that may have leached out. I'm trying to remember, I feel like maybe we did that just for the sake of cooling it down once it's been warmed up so it wasn't too hot. Uh, but I mean, it's been two and a half years now, so I really can't say for sure because I wasn't sleeping that much anyway. Um, but you know, that's interesting. They also say prepare the formula in a non-plastic container. I don't remember what it even came in. Do you, Brenda, what did does any of this sound familiar to you or was I just so delirious back then that I can't remember any of it? No, I don't. This is the thing from what I'm, what I'm thinking, right? Like if it's, whether it was breast milk or formula, you're putting it in the bottle that you're going to feed from and you're heating that in the bottle warmer Yeah. every time. It's not as if there was like a transition from like one receptacle to another, mainly because that would mean cleaning two things. Yeah, you're right. <laughs> so that's a little hard. I wonder if it's, I wonder if there's a difference between like a bottle warmer versus a microwave. I don't remember heating things via microwave. It was always via the bottle warmer. Yeah. And maybe that's a good thing. And maybe that's why a bottle warmer existed versus say heating it in a microwave. Yeah. You know what? Actually, I think that's true. Now that I'm remembering it, um, the bottle warmer, from what I remember, it doesn't even use, it's not like boiling hot water. It's just warm water. And that's mm -hmm. why it takes so long. Like I remember putting the bottle in the bottle warmer and then having to come back 15 minutes later oh, yeah. to make sure Five, it was warm enough. And sometimes, exactly. Yeah. Um, so I would say, yeah, uh, it, you know, if you're deciding what to do to get that bottle hot enough, um, definitely lean towards the bottle warmers because uh, the, this article doesn't mention that, but I do know just from experience that that is going to be your, your safer option. Uh, definitely, you know, try not to microwave those bottles, especially the plastic bottles. And they also say avoid rewarming prepared formula in plastic containers, especially in a microwave oven, uh, which they say can generate micro pockets of superheated liquid. And I think that's another reason that the bottle warmers are so good because yeah. they heat it evenly because the whole container is resting in that warm water um, mm -hmm. as opposed to microwaves, which I mean, you know, you know, from heating up food that it's going to be ice cold on the bottom, super cold in the middle, and then super hot on top. Like it's not just not going to heat it evenly. So um, yeah, I would say lean towards the bottle warmers in the bottle feeding phase. Um, you know, ne you know, try not to microwave plastic in general, try to use maybe less plastic than you're using right now, even if it's just a little bit, even if it's just once a week instead of every day, um, you know, because you're going to yeah. make things safer for your kid safer for mama, safer for daddy, and, you know, it's safer for the world uh, as a, as a added little uh, fringe benefit there. I don't know. And it, and it seems like you can be, you can just spend a little bit of time up front being more discerning about what product you're buying. So if you haven't already, and you're expecting, or even if you're just recently going through 
you know, uh, birth and, and you have a young one, think about bottles, pacifiers, things that are plastic that are going to be in your life. You're not going to get rid of those. Uh, but those are high use items. You're going to use them all the time, multiple times a day. You're going to need them. So be a little more discerning in picking out the quality toxin-free fits the right category of material that's going to have hopefully no or the most the, the least amount of concern based on what we're talking about here like you know there's there's like the thing that you you shouldn't skimp on the most important things right if there's certain things that like you're going to use all the time allow yourself to find something that fits the right uh description here uh because you're going to use it constantly Exactly. You know, and so, I mean, I would say in conclusion, um, I hope you're coming away with one or two little things that you can do in your day-to-day life um, to reduce the risk of putting, you know, artificial stuff in mom, in the baby, in yourself. Um, And as we've said with many things, as we've said with everything from germ prevention to picking the right food for your kid, to deciding when to put them into daycare and how often to let them play outside and how much sunscreen to use. Um, You're not a bad parent if you haven't been doing things 100% right up until now. You're not a bad parent if you continue to, you know, get a B or a C plus instead of an A plus in every area of safety. And you can go too far as we've covered in episodes about helicopter parenting and bulldozer parenting. Like, you know, there is something to be said for, don't tighten the reins so much that your kid can't do anything uh, and that, you know, you are causing a strain on your relationship with your partner by policing the things that they do and the things that they buy. Um, But, you know, take all of this with a grain of salt, uh, hopefully microplastic free salt, and take a couple of things in your day-to-day life in, like Brandon said, what you're choosing to buy at the store and how you're choosing to heat it up um, to, you know, just make things a little bit safer for you. And you'll probably feel better and maybe live a little longer uh, in the long run as a result. I don't know. We're not doctors, um, but hopefully some of this is a little helpful for you. So that'll do it for this week's episode of Dad Splaining. Thanks for tuning in. Thanks for sticking with us. Brandon, between now and next week, where can our listeners find us if they'd like to talk with us? Please give us a like or a follow on Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram at Dad Splaining Podcast. You can reach out to us directly at dadsplainingpodcast at gmail.com. And then you can check out this and every episode anywhere you get your podcasts. If you have questions as a parent, if there's something that you'd like for us to cover, uh, if you'd like our, you know, poorly educated opinions on something, or even if you've got a story to tell, uh, if you want to share your experience in delivery or pregnancy or early parenting, those are all great reasons to reach out to us. We love talking to new parents. We love hearing your experience, hearing how we may have helped you, even things that you don't like that we've said, we welcome all of it. So reach out to us, hit us up, shoot us an email, send us a a direct message on Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram, and we will get back to you uh, because we do love to hear from you. So thanks again for sticking with us. And until next time, I'm Jesse. And I'm Brandon. And Brandon, who was the first knight to use the round table? Sir Knight circumference ah i knew that one okay (laughs) ashley taught me that one i can't take credit for that one all right folks we'll see you next time the advice and opinions expressed on dad splaining are solely those of its hosts and guests and should not be substituted for the advice of professionals if you have a serious concern about the health or development of your child please consult with your pediatrician 
If you're experiencing an emergency, please call 911. Don't listen to us. We're really just good for dad jokes. If you're enjoying Dad Splaining, you might enjoy this other podcast from our friends here at WSB Radio. Hello, friends. This is Jared Yamamoto from the Power Pod, and we are a weekly recap show where we cover the current events of the week. And of course, during these times, COVID 19 is on everybody's mind. We will cover the good, the bad, and the ugly regarding this crisis. We will be serious with the coronavirus, but we will also find ways to have fun with it as well. So be sure to check us out Saturdays from 11 to noon and Sunday mornings from 9 to 11 on 98.7 FM and AM 1340 WGAU or grab the Power Pod podcast on any of your favorite podcast providers or your favorite smart speaker.